Heads, welcome to our podcast. I'm Karen. And I'm David. And I'm Jason. <laughs> Hi, Jason. And this is The Walking Dead cast, episode 248. Or may I say, it's The Walking Dad cast. Mazel tov, Jason. Thank you. Congrats. I have, new, I have a new son, and I'm kind of in a daze a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I'm taking the lead today, yeah. and Jason is a very special guest on The Walking I'll Dead only be cast. doing baby talk. <laughs> uh, and if no. he's been up all night, if he's been up all night, he's going to be even more entertaining than usual. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my new son, Bodie Quo Kabassi, was born at about, I think, 324 this morning, Jenny went into labor yesterday morning. I mean, not in the labor. She started having con- uh, contractions and she was having them all day. And so it took it took all day. But um, everything went really smoothly. And I was sort of in and out of uh, consciousness all night long. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, wake up. Wow. The baby's coming out. Oh, oh. Get. <laughs> so everything went really well. And the baby was big, 8.8 pounds which is Ooh. pretty big considering jenny's a, a, not a big person she's pretty petite yeah but he still seems small to me because i have a five-year-old so little tiny guy <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like a keeper yeah he's awesome he he looks a lot like nico he has a lot of hair like nico did and anyways um yeah so you decided good. against naming him uh zed well he wasn't like growling or clawing at me or anything <laughs> Just wait. I was thinking, yeah, if he's tried to eat me, then I'd be like, oh, he's such a Zed. <laughs> and also Jenny said no to that. <laughs> well, if Bodie is child number two, then Zed would probably be child number 26. Yeah, it's like, we're out of names, so go ahead. <laughs> Except that's it. We're only having two. There's no more. I got to say that you guys chose some good names. Nico oh, and Bodie. You. That's two really good names. Yep. Thank Strong you. Strong effort, my friend. I can't believe it was nine hours ago as we were recording this. It's incredible. That the baby was that born. you're here. I was looking at the baby and uh, like 20 minutes later, and I'm like, you're, you're 20 minutes old. <laughs> 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 that's crazy. Aw, that's really and if this sweet. were a, if this were a horror movie, we'd already be saying he's already thirty pounds. <laughs> yeah, there's something a little awry here. <laughs> One person on Facebook said, uh, "Oh, fresh zombie fodder." I was like, "You are dark." Man. Yeah, that's that's just wrong. That's, 
That's just wrong, Ryan. <laughs> so anyways, I don't want to take up too much time with this, but um, that's what's going on in my life lately. And that also means that I didn't really get to prepare as much as I would have liked. So I'm kind of just going to be a little voice that chimes in every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, I like it. That's pretty podcast. nice. This will be interesting. All right. So this podcast, we have a top three for the Korean zombie movie Train to Busan. I'm really excited to talk about it. It's definitely a movie worth watching. It's not as Jason said before, it's not some weirdo zombie movie like or a movie like Phantasm or Old Boy. So, I mean, weirdo in the best way. It's it's uh, has a 96% yeah. rating on Rotten Tomatoes and it's really great. And we've only got positive feedback from people who from listeners who have uh, watched it. So we're really excited about that. I, yeah. Uh, see, I've noticed I it, not a lot of people. Well, there are people who had jumped on this when I went. I'm like, hey, the next one we're going to cover is Train to Busan. You got to watch it. And there was kind of crickets, you know, a few people chimed in. And I'm like, I wonder, you know, we have some we try to go off the beaten path. <laughs> yes, and I do. love all the movies we've watched. But Old Boy was totally weird and fucked up. In the best way, in my opinion. But I could see where someone would go, what are you making us watch? And then Phantasm, <laughs> you know, is cheesy and, you know, you have to ha kind of go into yeah. the Wayback Machine to appreciate it. Even Only right. Lovers Left Alive, it was, uh, you know, I love that movie, but it was so slow. And if you just want an action yep. movie, you're not going to love that. that so people it. are like, I don't know, you guys. I, I bet, I'm sure there are some people who listen to us who are like, I'm not so sure about your recommendations. Uh, even though those are all, I, I I really like to do quirky movies like that. Yeah. But but I really think that the average Walking Dead fan would love Train to Busan. Yes. It's more mainstream no, than the yes. kind of stuff. Even though it's Korean, it's more mainstream than the, the stuff we usually watch, right? People will eat this up. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so go watch it if you haven't watched it so after that we're gonna give our thoughts on rogue one uh, a star wars movie and finally we'll finish up with the latest news yay attention shoppers deadcast top three in five four All right, here's our top three highlights for your Train to Busan. So, uh, I'd also, before we start, I'd like to warn everybody that there will be spoilers. So, if you haven't seen it, press pause, go watch it, and then press play and listen to the rest of the podcast. Or skip ahead, rather, I should say. So, David, since you're the guest here, uh, why don't you go first? Well, all right, I'll go first. I, I mean, just uh, starting from an overall perspective, I love this movie. It it might even be my favorite zombie movie, which uh, is quite a statement because there's a lot of movies in this genre. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's high a praise, genre, my friend. Genre that yeah, it's, this genre has been hit pretty hard over the last decade or so. Well, yeah. <laughs> what else is uh, up there for you? I'm just curious. Like, what are your top three? Well, and you're going to understand why I said that when I say that probably my two other favorites are 28 Days and 28 Weeks Later, oh, yeah. uh, which are probably the most similar to this one. Yeah, those uh, are great. Too. You know, yeah, ones with sort of uh, with fast zombies. So uh, my number three for this movie is uh, The Trains. I, yes. I just love trains to begin with. 
uh, in general. And uh, in this case, I love the bullet trains, uh, <laughs> the modern train stations. Uh, then later in the movie, they end up it end up, ends up involved with a more conventional diesel locomotive on which the the last scenes of the movie take place. And all the ways they use the train uh, throughout the movie, mm-hmm. and it, it fuels the plot, and probably 90% of the movie takes place on the train. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Made me want to go to Korea and ride the mm. uh, bullet train, <laughs> minus the Zeds. We should definitely go together and uh, ride the train to Busan just to say we've done it. <laughs> I bet a bunch of people have done that. Yeah, absolutely, and started growling at each other. Um, right. A couple of great things about it being a train is it's closed quarters and that makes it more tense like you get especially how fast the zombies turn you feel like the whole train could just zombify in just a few minutes if things went bad yeah but also it forces people together who just much like the dmv who might not normally hang out and they either have to bond (laughs) together and you know help each other out or Mm -hmm. of course there's always got to be one or two assholes in every zombie movie who just mess it up for everyone else. So it's like a pressure cooker (laughs) situation. And I think this movie has, uh, but maybe we'll get into this later, but some classist undertones. And so it's a good way to force people of different classes together and see how they work together or not. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, the setting of the train was brilliant because, and they really took advantage of it. The, the movie uh, writers and director, took advantage of the the separate cars so there's some separation there's some mm-hmm. encapsulation of what's going on but you can move from one capsule to the next and the fact that it's sort of a linear thing the length of the train they they took advantage of that right. and also it's a little isolated from what's going on in the outside world and it was neat that they had television monitors so they could watch the news about sort of what's happening when they're on the train to up to a certain point mm-hmm. Right, because they're all moving into uh, different places, and that it yeah. really did freshen up the idea. Because this feels to me like a very classic zombie movie, but it freshened it up. Because they're like, "Will this next place be okay?" Oh, yeah. not so much. <laughs> right, right, exactly. What's the station gonna be yeah. like? Yeah, it was really, really so cool. And I loved also um, my very favorite scene of the whole movie was when uh, the train the um, locomotive at the very end was leaving the station and it was going kind of slow and the zombies saw and they were running 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 to uh catch up and a couple of them uh latched on and then zombies behind them latched onto those zombies and they all started piling on kind of like ants on a leaf you know in a stream it was so cool looking i thought now that is something i've never seen before and it was so great yeah, it was the best thing in the whole world. Plus, they even had a segment where the train was sort of um, had come in too fast and had crashed and it was sort of tipping over and they had to go escape from under the train. Um, and I, I mean, yeah. they had they used the train so well. They did. Like, I didn't even realize it. But after it was all over, I'm like, oh, yeah, if they're going to have this be around trains, you want to see a huge train crash. Which yeah, we got. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you knew it was going to happen. It's like a gun being in a movie. Yeah. I can also say um, that thing where the zombies like pile up on the back of the locomotive, that happens on Caltrain like three times a week. <laughs> <laughs> if you go to India, it's almost literally that. They're hanging out the sides, they're climbing all over the top. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Uh, that you know what I we just saw a movie about trains or had trains in India played a large part. We saw that movie Lion. Uh, I recommend that movie to oh, yeah? everybody. Yeah? Yes, okay. it's wonderful, and um, uh, trains in India play a big part. Did in you it. guys see Snowpiercer? No, I've I've seen it. Yeah, that Which, is a strange. movie. It is a weird movie, but I I really liked it, and uh, it's crazy. It's it's all on a train. It's like every you know the world has frozen over, and the only people alive are on this train, and the train has to keep moving or else they'll freeze. And all the plebeians live in the back of the train, and all the like high class uh, people live in the front. And it's about the plebeians sticking it to the man, basically. <laughs> <laughs> It's Korean, too. That's fantastic. You know, um, I started off and I I jumped fast forward through to our top five and I didn't ask overall impressions. David, you kind of said what your overall impression was. Jason, what was your overall impression of this movie? Uh, I I heard about it and I kept getting great buzz and I kept and list, our listeners. Actually, there were uh, several who said, hey, you got to watch this. Hey, you got to watch. I'm like, OK, there's something going on with this. So. Uh Jenny and I went to the theater and I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I like. This is what I want. (laughs) This is why I started this podcast. This is, you know, I mean, the zombies are all twitchy and legs akimbo and seizing up and and their bones cracking. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) So and, and it had a lot of depth, too. I mean, it was a great zombie movie in its own right. But there was also um emotion and it was a little um, melodramatic but uh, i i just sort of let that go and went with it and welled up at the end and everything and um so i think um it did a lot of things really well and i just think it's a great zombie movie um i'm trying i was trying to decide would i put it up there with my very favorites like Shaun of the dead and the 2004 dawn of the dead remake and talking about it with you guys it, it, i feel like it's it's rising up to that level for me. So I really loved mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I-, I agree. I mean, my very favorite zombie movies are like, you know, Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland funny ones. But I also really like serious ones like the Dawn of the Dead remake. And um, in, th- and in fact, the, um, the very first modern zombie movie, um, Night of the Living Dead. But, this was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I fall asleep really easily when I'm sitting on the couch and watching a movie with David. Uh, and this time, my heart was racing the entire time. There was no way I was falling yeah. asleep. It was so and good. And it had its lighter moments, too. Like, oh, yeah. for example, maybe this is one of your guys' points, but w- when the two older women who I loved, uh, I think yes. they saw like the first gr- girl zombie freaking out, but they didn't know what was going <laughs> on yet. And, and one of them said, in my day, uh, they would have, had her in a re-education camp or something like that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the other one's like, don't say things like that. You know, just things like that. Little things right. were, were really funny. And I, I was thinking, man, Walking Dead could use a little bit of lightening up. I mean, they do sometimes, but but this movie um, was lighter, I thought, even though it yep. was also grounded and serious. Didn't uh, one of the adults, when it was first starting to happen and they saw what was going on outside, they're looking outside the window with a little girl, a little 10-year-old girl who was amazing. Uh, one of the adults said to her, this is why you've got to study hard. <laughs> like it was just sort of <laughs> tweakers who had taken bath salts or something. The dude, Right. Or the dude who uh, 
came off like an a-hole at first but turned out to be a huge hero and he was the Mm -hmm. husband of the pregnant woman and uh he looked at the the main girl swan and had pointed at her pregnant belly his wife and he's like i made that (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) you didn't say that when and point to to jenny all the time oh man i missed my chance (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> now you can hold up Bodhi and Nico and say, these are what I made right so my number three was actually the same thing it was the the train it was such a character and it was something I'd never seen before in the zombie movie so I love that um they even used the tunnels to really good effect so yes, they're on yeah. trains and trains occasionally go through tunnels in a, a country that has mountains and I loved that there were they figured out a way to outsmart the zombies it, a little bit in that they used um, that they can't see very well in low light situations. So they used the tunnels to really good effect. I like that. And that was a twist. That was one twist on the the whole zombie lore. These zombies, rather than smelling or they just didn't some movies don't explain it at all. They only come after you when they can see you. And if they can't see you, they don't come after you, which means that this would not work very well as a nighttime zombie movie like a lot of them are, you know, but um, that's okay because it was mostly in the day and they that the whole tunnel thing was really cool. Yep, exactly. I completely agree. Okay, so David, what's your number two? Uh, My number two was Korea. We've watched a lot of movies from a lot of countries, but not many, if any, that I can remember from Korea, a number of movies from Japan, but uh, it just was fun to see the um, culture and norms of that particular country. Uh, I guess really what we were seeing was a lot of their transportation culture, but you know, the, the uh, behavior between the people and the sort of the combination between the politeness in that culture against a backdrop of Uh extreme conflict and as uh-huh. Jason said, class conflict. And, uh, you know, the jaunty little uniforms, the landscape of the country uh, just was a little different. I enjoyed it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. Old Boy was Korean. And um, from what I understand, there's a lot of really twisted movies that come out of Korea. I don't know if that's, I don't know for sure. But anyway. Oh, and by the way, they also have baseball in Korea. I like that. I mean, Korea, I'm just really curious about South Korea because it's also, it's a, it's a big, you get the feeling that it's a big cultural center and, and, you know, they're for one thing, video games, they dominate in video game competitions and, um, kids go to internet cafes and play games for three days and then die because, they just don't eat. <laughs> so, Even though they're at a cafe. Yeah, exactly. Just go over and get a candy bar. Come on. Or a, a scone or something. Okay, anyways, I don't know what I'm saying. But it's time for our first sponsor. And that is, I'm really excited about this sponsor. Blue Apron is back with us. Yeah. Blue Apron, in case you don't know, each week they send you recipes for delicious meals. And all the ingredients that you need to make them comes in this box. They're all nicely separated. And the instructions are beautifully done, easy to follow with lots of pictures. So you can see at each step of the way how things are supposed to look. But I'm really happy Blue Apron's back because 
they're one of the ones we have that I use a lot and I love and they make me feel like a great cook and you know, it's just (laughs) fun to do. And we hadn't heard from them in a while. And I was like, Oh, Oh, what happened? Like, I felt like uh, it was a breakup Uh or something. Like we got dumped (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I still kept using them though, but, um, they're back and, and I'm happy. And, uh, I think you guys, if you haven't tried it, you'll like it. They're wonderful. Yeah. And Karen, you've used it too. And I, I, think, I, I know have. You, guys, you can choose your meals. So they have some choice. So if you're a vegetarian, they have vegetarian mm-hmm. choices. Very tasty meals. I feel proud to have cooked something like that because I'm not usually, you know, I don't really cook that much. So I'll even take pictures of what I cooked. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And post them. I yeah. know. It was so cute. You've done that a bunch of times. I'm like, look at Jason go. <laughs> but even if you're already a good cook, this will still be good because it makes it really convenient. And also, you'll probably try some things that you've never made before. One thing we like about them also, they're careful and responsible about their impact on the community. So their seafood is sourced sustainably under standards developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. Their beef is raised humanely. Chickens are free range. Their pork is raised naturally. They have regenerative farming practices for their produce. And um, some of the meals, just so you can get an idea for January, are seared pork chops with farro and cranberry chutney and spaghetti squash and marinara with mushrooms and garlic knots. And there's spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage and for a cocky. I want to go eat right now, actually. I'm actually I know. Super you hungry. just made me hungry. Thanks, pal. Yeah. How are we supposed to continue with the podcast <laughs> in these conditions? Let's pause. Uh, so, all right. We're back. It's now after dinner. We're full. That was so good. Um, so, you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free. So, you get three meals free. That's a week's worth of meals with free Incredible. shipping. Uh, so, it's all free by going to blueapron.com slash deadcast. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash deadcast. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Thanks, Blue Apron. So, back on our train to Busan, <laughs> I think it's now my turn for my number two, which is the crazy fast pace of this movie. It was one reason why I didn't fall asleep. I was not bored for even a minute. Oftentimes when I watch a movie, like I said, I'll pass out. And um, because I have low blood pressure, so sue me. But during this movie, I was was yelling at the TV, which always is a good sign. Or could be also a bad sign, but in this case, it was a really good sign. And I was uh, scaring the cat. You know, the cat wants to sit on my lap. And I think a lot of times (laughs) I was so tense, the cat went running. So... You know, it was interesting from start to finish, and they didn't do the same thing twice. They ha- they were running through a train station, then the train was um, barreling on, and they were making their way up the cars, and then they were trapped under a train. Then they were getting on another. Tra- I mean, it was it was a really cool paced movie. So I loved it. I felt the same way. The one thing. Um- just like you said, there were some action scenes and then in the tunnel, it was quieter, but still tense. And then there were some genuinely quiet movements. And and so they really varied it, which I always love. Towards the end, I felt like uh, maybe this movie could be a little bit shorter. It's two hours long. 
But I, I don't know what I would cut out, so maybe not. I know. I'm like, <laughs> no, those were the ending, like that last third of the movie, which sometimes can be a hard struggle for some movies. The last third was was great. I wouldn't have cut anything out of the ending. Maybe some in the middle, maybe, but oh my God. I, I'm glad I saw every little bit of it. This movie had a good villain, too. You just hate that guy. Yeah. Oh, I hated that guy as much as any character I've ever seen in any movie. The, like, selfish guy in the suit. Yep. And I, one thing I thought was interesting about him, uh, I hated him, too. And, uh, well, there's here's two things. One is I think the movie also is a lot about just, you know, the people that you care about in your life because there was, like, the teenage romance and there were the two old women who could have been maybe friends or sisters or maybe even lovers. It wasn't totally clear, which is fine. Or the father-daughter. And then at the end, he said, my mom's waiting for me in Busan. And I actually believed that, that because he talks like a little boy or he acts like a little boy, you know? So um, I don't know if he was telling the truth, but um, I I, I could see that being true. Yeah, I think he was. And I I think you do have some sympathy for him, actually. Um, He did what he did out of his own fear. Yeah. And that's a very human emotion. So I think there is some um, a sympathetic aspect to him there. But it's also a lot of what the movie is about is the difference between people who stick up for each other and, yes. and people who are willing to trample on others uh, to save themselves. It, absolutely. And, uh, and, that, and that was yeah. the journey of the father who started yes. off as a selfish person and his daughter he changed, I think, mostly because of his daughter into somebody yeah. who was trying to save the other people. Yeah. So this guy, yeah, uh, he, he may, was he a may schmo s- at the beginning. Yeah, and but, you may say the CEO he loved her. was sympathetic, but I could, I can, I, I see maybe why he did the things he did. But if somebody did that and endangered my loved ones, I would, I wouldn't have any problem just kicking him right off that train <laughs> into a big pile <laughs> of zombies pile a big scrum of zombies yeah. <laughs> you know the way i see it i'm gonna die in the zombie apocalypse i mean i'm i've just come to terms with that i've given it a lot of thought and odds are pretty good that i'm gonna die in the zombie apocalypse so having said all <laughs> that i might as well go out a hero so if the zombie apocalypse comes, uh, what I would really aim to do is go out some giant hero, hopefully okay. with a soundtrack in the background. So when we're on the train and you've got the door closed and I'm pounding on the window, I'm going to remind you of that. You said you were going to be a hero. <laughs> what? what? Oh, There's sorry. I can't hear you. you. Sorry. I got to go. It's really Bye. loud on a train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David, what's your number one? Uh, My number one is very simply fast zombies. Yeah. Uh, So as you well know, uh, I can be an annoying skeptic about movies or television shows. And sometimes I can suspend my disbelief, but I have a hard time doing it. I I don't mind things that are fantastical, but I want them to be internally consistent. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I've always had a hard time with the slow zombie trope, uh, like the Walking Dead cast, or, or the Walking Dead, sorry. Uh, <laughs> the Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> these, these two slow zombies are going to get me. Um, like the Walking Dead, which I love in many other ways, but I, I just find it hard to accept that s- zombies that are both slow to turn and slow to move would be able to defeat the say the human military right 
Uh, I just don't, I, I find that implausible. But in this case, and like 28 days later, 28 weeks later, pretty quick to turn in this case, <laughs> although not as quick as 28 days later, you get a little bit more warning in this case, but then very fast to move. Uh, I could see that. I could see that overrunning even humans with weapons. Mm -hmm. So I found that satisfying and plausible. Agreed. Yeah, totally. Wasn't there a study that came out this week or maybe it was last week that, or recently that some, some scientists did some study that said that uh, if there was a zombie apocalypse, it would take 100 days for society to crumble and for uh, basically everybody to die. Did you guys read about this? Yeah, but I, that stuff always comes off like just total fanfic to me. <laughs> yeah, plus it always makes me think, how many federal dollars went to that college where somebody got a PhD out of this? <laughs> you know, I agree with you, David. And also, one thing that is a little different from 28 days later, they're fast and menacing and, and uh, they change fast, but... The, this Korean movie really embraced the odd angles of zombies. Uh -huh. uh, they would just tilt their head to the side and you'd hear their bones <laughs> cracking. And that one, I think it was one of the baseball kids, I forget, but w that was first coming after the little uh, girl and the early on in the movie and the dad, oh, crap, and grabs her and starts running. And then you see the guy <laughs> and the camera's right in front of him. And it's very <laughs> Sam Raimi because the camera's moving around all crazy. And he's almost got a smile on his face. Like I felt like it was bordering a, a little into camp, but in a really great way there. Like <laughs> I'm the best zombie ever and I'm going to get you. you know? <laughs> I don't know. I just love I just love how the zombies move in this movie. <laughs> Okay, so my number one was I loved the acting. In particular, I loved the little girl, Kim mm. Suan, and she was astonishing. She's like nine, nine I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And from start to finish, she was just wonderful. There And there's this whole thing about her being um, too sad to sing at her school presentation because her dad wasn't there. And this sort of um, pays off later in a heartbreaking and a lovely way. Mm -hmm. Can I can I give yeah, away that yeah. moment? Okay. So at the very end, the song that she was supposed to sing at the school assembly with her dad there was the Aloha song, and she sings it. And that's how they that's how the military understands that it's not zombies shambling up through the tunnel. That it's um, it's humans. It's a little girl singing this song, and it's so sweet. So she indicates her, you know, the whole humanity right there through singing that song because zombies don't sing very well, <laughs> but she does. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, a lot of action movies like this, they they really go light on the storytelling and the character development. But um, I felt that this movie, as we mentioned before, gave a lot of time to developing the characters and making you really care about yeah. them, and it and it pays off. But in ways that were um, not, that were, it didn't feel expository at all. It was just little shows of personality that said a yeah. lot, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. That girl, she totally reminds me of my niece. My wife is Taiwanese, Aww. in case people don't know. And my, my uh, niece, Natalie, kind of has the same look and the same kind of vibe about her. So I thought that was cool. <laughs> you make her sing you the Aloha song. <laughs> 
Yeah. Pretty cute. Yeah, that that as I um, point my rifle at her. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that that little girl was amazing and uh and just you Karen, you mentioned Lion that we saw the other day, just to digress a moment. Uh which is a movie if you see it, if you do not cry during that movie, I think you do not have human emotion. <laughs> but uh that whole movie rests on the performance of a five year old boy. Yep. who was just amazing. Wow. And uh, wow, I don't know where they found a five-year-old boy that could act, but they did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's cool. a little Dev Patel. And yeah, check it um, out. Phew, yeah five-year-old is, is unbelievably cool. Um, so also the dad. I thought the dad at the very end when he sacrifices himself and the last thing he does is think about his little baby girl before he turns into a zombie and, and, and flings himself off the, the train. Beautiful. So, and the conductor was great. Yeah. That scene was a trip for me because I watched the movie again today, just now, actually right after holding my own newborn son. (laughs) (laughs) So I really didn't hold it together very well when that scene came up. (laughs) I'll bet you didn't. (laughs) Yeah, the conductor and the dude. I love the dude, the the burly, uh, kind of cocky guy. Oh, he was great. Yeah, yep. love that guy. Yep. All right. Any uh, any notes, David? I've said all I have to say. <laughs> I have a couple notes. One thing I want to say is that I read that uh, it was announced just last month in Variety that there's going to be an English language remake of train to busan yeah which I, I i'm like oh really come on people it was so good and korea is such i mean that's such a part of it, it the, Thoughts, i have yet to see an english language remake of anything that is as good as the original mm-hmm. right? i heard but did not see actually that um let the right one in was pretty close to as good oh really yeah but I never did end up watching it. Um, so this m- remake is made by Studio Gaumont, which is actually a French studio, and they're behind TV shows Narcos and Hannibal, which I n- haven't seen either one of those, but I've heard they're both right. great. And the movies The Professional and Fifth Element, which are older movies, but both pretty good. Good movies. Yeah. So anyway. Okay. We'll see. All right, keeping an open mind. <laughs> so I do have, I'm sorry to interrupt. I do have one note I remembered. Um, Karen is tired of me talking about the Hyperloop. Uh, and the Hyperloop is a, uh, it's a, essentially, it's an Elon Musk undertaking, the uh, CEO of Tesla. Mm-hmm. And it is a new train system that is being built in the Middle East that is based on a vacuum tube. It's like a pneumatic tube in those old buildings in the 50s. Mm-hmm. So it and like train, sucks you along? Yeah, it's maglev through a vacuum, and it goes 750 miles an hour, supposedly, or more than three times the speed of a bullet train. Uh, so I I can't wait to see a zombie movie based on the Hyperloop. <laughs> <laughs> People don't try to outrun a Hyperloop train. You just don't have a chance. There, that's my advice. <laughs> also, it was fun to see the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. And and that was kind of cool, too. I always like when you can see the beginnings of how these things happen. Mm-hmm. And um, and this movie had that as With well. With the animal so. getting up, that was a great 
Yes, the, the deer. Mm -hmm. Yes, and they also implied it was human created with whatever the toxic uh -huh. crap right. was being produced yeah. at that factory. Which sort of fits Humans in are with the, worst. the theme of because uh, uh, the it seemed like the higher you got up, the worse of a person you were. The CEO was the worst of all. <laughs> so it's like business sort of leading to not caring about other people. Yeah. Yes. Humans are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> not you guys. You guys are just fine. And so are our listeners. Our listeners, you're, you're all fine. Right. No CEOs. Everybody else, though. Bad news. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, anything else you want to say? Only that Elon Musk is an interesting guy because he's in all these different things, SpaceX, and he wants to colonize mm -hmm. Mars. He's doing um, these batteries because he wants us to all to use solar power. And, yep. and then, you know, of course, there's Tesla, which I totally want one. And yep. I, I didn't know about this train, but that's cool. And also, he believes that we are all living in a simulation from a much more advanced um civilization so yeah like, that's where it goes a little off the track where you're like wow this guy's so cool uh, what, oh, what? And i sort of wonder if he's like well we're in a simulation so fuck it i'm gonna do all yeah. this cool stuff I, I it also did occur to me to think with this i'm fascinated with the 750 mile an hour train but then he's running this company spacex and their rockets are a little explodey for oh, my taste yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rockets are explody. Yeah, well, they've had a few. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, so let's uh, get some listener responses. Gracie Lou, uh, our old friend, says, "I thought it was very entertaining. Loved the book when they were re uh, or the look. Sorry, when they were reanimating. Very cool. Definitely worth the watch." Jennifer Throne says, "I'm a zombie snob, and I really thought it was a great movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks for the recommendation." <laughs> <laughs> zombie snob <laughs> melanie drake says after watching it i feel a little better about our post inauguration prospects it can't get that bad can it wait can it <laughs> oh boy i'm commenting on that one let's see <laughs> uh michael darwin says watched it before you advised me to ended up as our top film of 2016 on dark discussions podcast now go watch the autopsy of jane doe our number two good recommendation yeah, I'm curious about that one. Yeah, that David, sounds gruesome. David Gardner. Yeah, it's. I hope it's not just an autopsy. Autopsy. And then it's over. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's a stop a minute. Um, David Gardner says, watched it this morning. I was worried at the beginning as it seemed a bit cheesy. It, I was too a little bit at the very beginning. It got rolling though and was a great watch. I was glad the ending didn't go as I thought at first. Looked like it was going to be like Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Megan Ludwig says, Tim and I loved it. Definitely one of the better movies I've seen in a while. I thought it was well done. The filming was amazing. And the little girl broke my heart. I'm glad they felt free to kill off so many characters. And even with the insight into the bad character, I did not feel bad for him. Does that make me as bad as the people who forced them out of the car? Hmm. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> Very bad. I, Megan's a good friend of mine. And yeah, totally evil. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Confirmation. Des from Des Combs. I have never hated anyone as much as that jerk in this movie. At least Negan has interesting things to say when he's being a jerk. Won't say any more because I don't want to spoil it, but this movie did the World War Z type effects way better. I agree with that. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of World War Z. I know some of you were, 
Uh, but I thought this movie was loads better than World War Z. Yeah, me too. And mm-hmm. I thought it would be a smaller... I mean, it was sort of a small movie, but the effects, you know, maybe we would see... I, it surprised me when we started to see some really big, like zombies falling from the sky and big hordes and things like that. Which was <laughs> yeah, it didn't yeah. look cheap. Cool. Uh, Marta Lizeth says it was awesome. I didn't expect it would be that good. Why not? I told you. It would. <laughs> Victor Godoy says a uh, good movie up there with the best of the Z movies. Daniel Bulger says excellent movie. I hope they don't ruin the remake for the English version. We hope yeah. so too. And Jennifer Negrette says, such a good movie. I almost cried at the end. Almost. <laughs> hey, I wonder if she's related to our pal um Matt Negrette. Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, Jennifer, are you related? To Matt and Negretti. Are we mispronouncing who's, your who's, I think Negretti. it's Negretti, like spaghetti. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. Who um he's a writer for, for The Walking Dead. He has written my favorite episodes this season. Which is one episode, basically. No, he wrote two of them. <laughs> cool. No, he's great. All right, so let's take a break. There's more to come. Stay with us. Then it comes to being the soothing light the end of your tunnel. It's just a freight train going Back, it's time to talk about our next sponsor. That is Casper. The Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It has supportive memory foams that create this award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. It is award-winning. Time Magazine named the Casper mattress one of the best 25 inventions of 2015, which is when it was invented. And I really love the Casper mattress. It, I, you know, I got one. I tested it out. It feels substantial. It's unique. It's It feels really comfortable for one thing. It's very comfortable, but without being too soft, you know, it's supportive uh-huh. too. And I liked to buy things sometimes that I think are a cut above that I think are kind of special, especially when it's for a good price like the Casper is. And especially, especially when I'm going to be using it a lot or it has an important place in my life, which a bed totally does because <laughs> you're on it all the time. Like I, uh-huh. this microphone right here I, is um, I searched far and wide until I found just the right one that I liked. My phone, I love my iPhone and I want a really good bed because sleep is so important and it has an impact on everything else in your life and a good bed that will help you sleep better is absolutely worth you know looking for and finding and the casper Mm -hmm. is that bed for a lot of people duncan got one too he loves it another cool thing about it mattress shopping is um kind of a pain sometimes uh, but you can try the casper for 100 nights with no risk in your own home so you can sleep on this to test it out that's the best way to test a mattress if you don't like it they'll come pick it up from you refund you everything that you paid casper knows the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit especially since you're going to spend a third of your life on it there's free shipping and returns to the u.s and canada and there's just one version so 
you don't have to worry about trying to figure out what options you want, except for the size. You know, it comes in all the different sizes. You can get $50 right now towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash TWDC and using offer code TWDC. Terms and conditions apply. So if you're in the market for a bed, if you haven't been sleeping well lately, I highly recommend you check this out. Casper.com slash TWDC. Thanks, Casper. Thanks, Casper. All right, moving on. Let's get to Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And uh, again, spoiler alert, uh, we're going to talk about the whole movie. So uh, if you haven't seen it, watch it, come back, and um, for now, skip ahead. All right, gentlemen, your thoughts? In general? Yeah, what's your overall impression? I saw it and I thought it was awesome. <laughs> I thought I, I really liked how it was a different tone than the other Star Wars movies. Um, mm-hmm. It felt more modern to me and it was more like a war movie. It was some of the fighting scenes instead of being um, fun were more like, oh, that's kind of dark. But I liked it. You know, I like dark stuff sometimes. And even the characters, they weren't as freewheeling, but I enjoyed them. And um, they did put some lightness in there. I loved K2SO. He he was funny, genuinely funny. Sometimes C-3PO isn't really all that funny. Um, I mean, I love C-3PO and R2-D2, but K2SO had some really funny lines. But he was funny in a different way than droids have been funny in Star Wars before. He was kind of dark and bleak, which I thought was pretty fun. Yep. And uh, so anyways... Um, and the Darth Vader stuff was badass. So I, I totally enjoyed the movie a lot. David? Well, when we went to see it, you know what I said to you right after, which is, you know, I think I like that more than uh, The Force Awakens. And you said, oh, that's what Jason said. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I really second uh, everything that he said. I thought this movie had uh, great pace, great characters. It was a lot of fun, terrific effects. Um Really one of the, the best movies in this whole series, even though it's an offshoot. And I, I, I really like The Force Awakens, but I, I thought it was uh, burdened a little bit with the weight of this series. They were trying so hard to awaken all the symbolism and all the lineage of the families. Mm-hmm. And even to have a couple of the older stars who are quite old now, um, Harrison Ford and, of course, Carrie Fisher, who's no longer with us. Uh, but I thought that that made The Force Awakens, it sort of slowed it down and made it a little weightier. And this was lighter. They just told the story and, and had it move forward. And it actually hung together very well as it ended with the beginning of the original Star Wars A New Hope, which we all know. So I thought it was great. Yeah, I completely agree. It's funny. I had really low expectations going into this movie. I had read... Always helps. Just- <laughs> yes, it really does. I had read a couple things and some movie reviewers that didn't seem, or maybe it wasn't movie reviewers, maybe it was just people who didn't seem to like it that much. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even bother to, I mean, we weren't clamoring to see it right away. I don't know why. We waited quite a while. We only saw it, uh, was it last weekend, David? I think it was last weekend we saw it. You know, one of us didn't want to go see it. I, I That's can't me. remember which one that was. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. You can't tell, but my hand is raised. I'm not so, sure why. Well, yeah, I didn't want to see it. That's why. <laughs> but I love the whole uh, the Star Wars story. So anyway, I was 
utterly delighted. It was so much better than I thought it would be. And I loved Felicity Jones. I loved Diego Luna. And I liked their little story arc, the two of them together. Mm -hmm. They even had like a little romance, kind of. And I love that it was this small, self-contained story about, you know, how they got the plans that ultimately led to the Death Star's demise. And, you know, it was set up way back when in the original Star Wars trilogy, you know, they, they... uh, alluded to it when they said these plans were obtained at great cost. Yeah. And so finally we we understand what that cost was. And now right. it's like, okay, I get it. It was the, awesome. The first three lines in the scrawl, opening scrawl of Star Wars, New Hope, uh-huh. mention that the rebels have just had their first win in a battle. And I, I see, I told you guys I didn't have time to prepare, but it's about <laughs> getting the plans for the Death Star and, um, so this movie just fleshes out. I think that was their their sort of edict. Let's flesh out those yeah. first three lines and find yep. out how that all happens. Yeah, I mean, it's basically a throwaway line. It's like uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead in Hamlet. <laughs> and then uh, Tom Stoppard wrote a whole play about that. Right. Yeah, exactly. But that exactly. was it. that's not much of a burden to have kind of like what you were saying David it's just like all right let's just tell that story but it it also did sort of illuminate some things that maybe we didn't even know needed illuminating but it shed some light on like for example the whole yeah. uh, scientist who was tasked with creating the death star and engineered this um flaw this into it flaw. on purpose like mm-hmm. oh that's new we didn't know that was done on purpose before and i yes. think it worked pretty well I do too. I do too. Well, and the whole the whole Death Star it brought that much more to life than any of the other movies did. Because mm-hmm. even though the Death Star was evil and it was a planet killer, it it was always portrayed just as sort of technologically glittery, and the the destruction of a planet was special effects. Uh, in this movie, when it is destroying smaller things, with I think they called it a single ignition charge or something like that um it looks more like the atomic bomb it's more impressive it it, it humanized a little bit the destruction it was doing right i know like star you know i've had conversations going back years about the body count of movies you know what movie has the highest body count and i'm always like well star wars because alderaan (laughs) but but you don't really feel it you know i mean Ben Kenobi feels it, but we don't as the audience because we we didn't know anybody on Alderaan. So this movie, it brings it home a little bit more how devastating the Death Star is. Yep. Yep. I I also loved that at the very end, um, there was the the CGI Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia at the very, very end. And I had that morning, I watched the documentary about Carrie Fisher and, and, and her mom and on HBO. And so I was already uh, a little teary eyed about, about losing Carrie Fisher. And so when you see her at the end of this and, and then she says, you know, there's, there's hope. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's, it's pretty great. I have to say, I think they did a, a good job with governor Tarkin and princess Leia, the characters that they recreated and the computer effects are like 98% good uh, and maybe 2% creepy. Like Governor Tarkin. It just wasn't totally 100% right. I would say closer to 90-10 maybe. And yeah. I, um, it was a I, little disturbing. I had to think about it 
am I glad they did that? Because it, it really took me out of the movie Tarkin and Leia yeah. too, uh, but Tarkin more because he was in it more, but also I'm like, yeah, I want him there. I want him there. Cause he was a part of it. And, and just, he has such a great face and presence. So, and I wanted to see Leia at the end cause it was so satisfying that I think probably a new hope starts about 10 minutes after the ending of this, right? Uh, the way they bridged it. So I'm glad they put him in there, but still it was, um, it really took me out of it at the same time. Cause it just looks so CG to me. Here's a little piece of trivia for you. Uh, Peter Cushing, who played the original governor Tarkin in the, the first movie, um, there was a doctor who movie made back and i think back in the 70s and he played doctor who no way i didn't hear that film yeah was he like another doctor or was he playing or how did that work i've never seen it i have to admit maybe that's one we could uh watch at some point yeah i'm curious if we could find it (laughs) that's crazy did you guys like the little shout outs to star wars including like the blue milk at the very beginning yep I like that a lot. <laughs> and by the way, did you know that the um, the droid, I don't think you mentioned it, the reprogrammed Imperial droid K2SO was played by Alan Tudyk um, from Firefly? Mm-hmm. Wash from Firefly, who I, whom I love. And I'm pretty good at picking out voices, and I did not no, notice that. me neither. Until you told me, but he was great. And he was yeah, great. he was so good because he was very understated. You know, he wasn't trying to ham it up at all right but you could still detect the sort of passive aggressiveness in his voice yes (laughs) he was grumpy and funny and wonderful i also liked um donnie wen who played the blind um uh monk warrior what was he yeah warrior yeah he was like a jedi wannabe horse he was amazing i loved that that was the role the k2so and that guy were my favorite parts about the movie. Yep, and yep. Even, you know, Great I roles. think it's kind of stupid that you can hit a stormtrooper in the face with a stick and knock him out. What's the armor for? But <laughs> I had to. If you just suspend your disbelief, then those scenes are badass. You know, I love that. Yeah, I've been saying that since 1977. It's like, what is that armor for? What does it's it do? It doesn't also. stop gunshots. And why are they wearing it on the Death Star? I mean, what is it for? It just makes no sense. <laughs> I would say this is even more ridiculous, but next movie, you're just going to like blow on them and they'll fall over. <laughs> yeah. But he was sort of the, uh, the Morgan of this movie. Yes. With the stick fighting. Yes. Yeah. Except exactly. he would move out of the way just so a laser would hit the stormtrooper behind him sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> But I love a couple of, yeah. his whole, I, 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 I'm one with the force, the force is with me or whatever, saying that over and over again. It was just so great. It was so unique. And yeah. his friend looks at him like he's crazy. And then he ends up carrying it on at the end after yep. that guy dies. Cheer it <laughs> in way. It was, it was, it was really great. Um, I have to say, we also loved the, uh, uh, so Admiral Akbar in the original story. So they, I didn't, I have purposely didn't look up what the actual spelling was, but as I'm, as far as I'm concerned, in my mind, they were calling him Admiral Radish, but it was the, uh, the fish like creature who really was essentially exactly the same as Admiral Akbar. And, right, but yeah. he had a much bigger role in this movie than Admiral Akbar did in, uh, 
in the first Star Wars and just it cracked us up every time he was on screen. And I don't think that was intentional, but I mean, it added humor for me. I mean, just mm. every every line he said, he'd say like, uh, <laughs> we must destroy that gate. And I would just add in, and where's that bucket of krill? <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Every time. Oh, man. We laugh every time. Do you guys watch um, Futurama with Zoidberg? Yes. Yes. (laughs) He'll launch into some kind of a sea creature behavior every once in a while. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Karen, you mentioned the relationship between Cassian Andor and Jin Erso, the two leads. And I've read some kind of a negative comment in a review saying, oh, they, you know, tried to force them to have uh, chemistry, but they, they, it was, you know, it was fake or didn't feel real. I, I disagree with that. I thought they were all business for a long time. There was no, Uh no spark. And then um, at one point he did something that she was really impressed with. I think he just came back for her or something and she looked at him right in the face and was like, I'm not used to people coming back yeah. from me. And you could feel, I felt like a heat right there. Oh, oh th- this is yeah. where that spark started. And right. it, it really didn't have time to grow that much. I mean, I think they they kind of both knew at the end, hey, there's really something here. And if we weren't about to get hit by that giant wave, maybe it could be something. <laughs> but it got snuffed out before it had a chance to really start. And yeah. that's, you know, yeah. sad, but beautiful, I yeah. thought. Yep. I completely agree. And by the way, how pretty was it was neat to have like a beautiful tropical island. Yeah, really to be cool. sort of yeah, wasn't it great? They usually use places that are very deserty, and it was so awesome to yeah. see something that was gorgeous and tropical. I mean, they they did that with um, uh, the Force Awakens too. Um, but this, this was felt so, like a vacation. Yeah, I saw yeah. some like piece of art. I forget it was like. Stormtroopers in their swimsuits, and the, instead of the um, Death Star, it was like a giant beach ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. And one more thing I want to add is that I loved. Um, I, I didn't know that it wasn't Mike. It wasn't a John Williams scored movie. It was Michael Giacchino. Right, and he. I think it went. Dun, dun, like the beginning of Star Wars. Dun, 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 but instead, it was. Dun, 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 so it kind of faked you out a little bit and then Uh had its own thing going i like the score some people some of our listeners didn't but i did oh i love yeah i have to admit i didn't love that they didn't use the original music uh as great as michael giacchino is and he is great and i thought the music was good but um an overused word iconic the star wars movie music is really is iconic yeah and I wasn't sure why it shouldn't be used. I, I kind of felt like the filmmakers overthought that one a little bit. Like, oh, we really want to separate this and make sure that it's an offshoot. And I don't think the fans care about that. Like, it's a Star Wars movie. Just use the music. <laughs> That's what I thought. But, uh, it, I mean, he scored it well. It worked in the movie. I, and they had yeah. the original themes in a couple times. Because the tone is different than the other movies, at least in my opinion it is, I, I felt like the different music helped sort of give it its own little identity yeah. but yeah we don't have to agree the other thing i was going to say is that uh james earl jones it's great to still have him with us to do the voice of darth vader yeah uh, but his voice is not as strong as it once was uh, no he sounds forgive older. it but he does he sounds yeah. older and his voice isn't quite so strong anymore 
But oh, we didn't even mention Darth Vader, who I, I loved that badass scene where he's just going through and force crunching everybody and yeah. slamming them against the walls. <laughs> Although I do think it's funny that like ten minutes later, suddenly he's much you know more subdued in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, why don't you throw those guys around? But uh, I also uh, maybe tired himself out that you know his little um, domicile in the lava. It's Darth Vader's castle, which rests yes. atop a lava flow, which is on the planet so Mustafar, cool. which is where he fought Anakin and lost his limbs. And uh, so uh, the, uh, apparently, Ralph McQuarrie, who did most of the concept art for everything Star Wars. Um, had drawn that a long time ago and they'd been trying to get it into a movie ever since. So they oh, finally, it's so finally cool. Got it. And I thought it was really cool. Everything with Darth Vader. I, I just loved. And I, yeah, I found out Darth that, Vader. Th- how about Darth Vader throwing in a pun? Don't choke on your own. Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> I thought it worked. Um, I found out later that, you know, I, I don't know if you guys heard, but they did a lot of uh, reshoots and, they brought in yeah. a new director at the end, mm-hmm. and, and I think they shot a lot of things a different way. Well, the whole scene with Darth Vader kicking ass, that was added during that time. Oh. That wasn't even going to be there originally. Interesting. And and by the way, who in the Empire designed that library? That was the craziest design I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. <laughs> let's, let's put this stuff in this crazy library where it's impossible to get to anything. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I always wondered, like, you know, the whole thing with Star Wars was the plans to the Death Star that Princess Leia gave to R2-D2. And then we had the internet after that. And I'm like, oh, well, does the internet sort of ruin that? Like, shouldn't, aren't we thinking, (laughs) can't they just beam it somewhere? But um, they kind of dealt with that. You know, they just made it seem like digital transfer is, is a bit limited because there's shields everywhere. And maybe, you know, I could see maybe you can't really beam stuff planet to planet. I don't know. Yeah, and they said the file size was too big. We can all relate to that. <laughs> I love the VCR cassette tapes that had the plans. I uh-huh. mean, originally, when you get it out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anything else? Or should we go to listener feedback? Let's move on. Let's move on. Jose Estrada says, I'm a longtime Star Wars fan. When I first heard about it, I wasn't interested, not even after the first teaser trailer. But as the Darth Vader hype started to ramp up, so did my interest. I went to see it with minimal expectations and it blew me away. I got, I grew attached to these no-name characters quickly um, and felt gut-punched as each of them were sacrificed themselves for the rebellion. It wasn't perfect, but it was very satisfying. The final Vader scene had me on the edge of my seat and wanting to jump up and fist pump. The, that This Vader uh, redeemed the no Vader of episode three, lol. <laughs> the lack of the signature John Williams score was very noticeable to me and did detract from the overall quality of the film. Anthony Caruso says, I know I'm in the minority here, but I was not in love with it. I loved the last act and the big Vader scene, but besides that, shrugs. <laughs> so yeah there were mixed opinions as you alluded to karen i yep. oh i did remember one thing i wanted to mention i thought it was pretty brave and bold of them to kill everyone off yeah they didn't necessarily have to do that they could have just had them go off and hiding or something uh-huh. um but um i was shocked that they did that but also kind of i don't know i'm glad because it made it feel more like less like a cookie cutter movie 
even though yes. it, was, it was sad. And also, I think because we know, we saw Princess Leia at the end, we know that it that their sacrifices were not in yes. vain. So that helps. Yeah. It made it worth it. Yeah. Even though it was sad. Um, Barry Evitz says, incredible movie. Great standalone story about a pivotal period of time for the rebellion. I loved it and have been very excited about Disney's treatment of the Star Wars universe in general. Star Wars Rebels is a great series and who could resist The Force Awakens? I simply cannot wait for episode eight. An exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much Carrie, um, has anybody found out how much um, Carrie Fisher is going to be in eight or nine? She Apparently she has a pretty big role in eight, b- bigger uh-huh. than Force Awakens, and she was supposed to have an even bigger role in nine. Oh, which is really? A bummer, oh, yeah. Because my theory is that eight would be about her reuniting with Luke, and nine would be oh. about her confronting Kylo Ren. So they're going to have yes. to have some handle that some other way if that's right true. right yeah yeah oh it is, it is quite an unusual series order four five six one two three seven three and a half <laughs> I know, huh? <laughs> yeah eight nine yeah or maybe Our- two and two and two point nine i guess is what this last movie right, was. right. or three point nine yeah three point nine uh-huh. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't know, and they're. I think they're going to do a couple more standalone bottle episodes, right, Jason? They are. They're working on Han Solo for uh, next year, two thousand eighteen. Mm-hmm. They've cast Han Solo, and um, Woody Harrelson's going to be in it. Woo! Rumor has it he'll be Han Solo's mentor or something like that. <laughs> and I forget what the other one was. Um, I want to see a Yoda movie. Oh. Yes, please. <laughs> or what I really want to see is um, new. I, I, You know, prequels, I mean, Better Call Saul is pretty awesome, but I love it better when they go forward in time. That new Star Trek series, it's, I, I mean, just something taken away f- from it for me when we know uh, what happens in the future, you know. It's better to have it be unknown. You have to be very very clever to accomplish that successfully as I think the Star Wars series did not the three prequels did not work well although I would watch know the outcome a Shane and Rick cop series <laughs> <laughs> where Shane flirts with Lori all the time right <laughs> and you're like huh Huh. Okay. I like her. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Sherman writes my favorite Star Wars movie yet I uh, wonder what it indicates about me that I enjoy a movie where basically everyone dies, but you hang on to that ever so fleeting glimmer of what might turn out to be hope. It's kind of like being alive in the world right now. Side note, (laughs) that description also fits The Walking Dead. Aha, I figured something out. (laughs) Well said, sir. Yes. Rima Joe says, love, love, love. This one holds a special place in my heart. The characters were amazing. The story was incredible. And Vader, holy shit balls on that last scene <laughs> with him is all I got to say. It gave me chills. Hard to say it, but I think it's better than The Force Awakens. Sorry, I said it. It's out there. The ending was perfect and was a great lead up to A New Hope. And I want to watch it at least 100 more times. <laughs> uh, she reminded me by saying that of Spaceballs. 
which Karen has not seen. Jason, oh, have you, you got to see that. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if it holds up, but I've seen it several times and loved it. We have it in our DVR. We're going to watch it. Yeah. And the, the scene, the whole climactic scene in Rogue One where there's a little gap in the, uh, the force shield around the planet and it all revolves around that, is very mm-hmm. similar to Spaceballs, <laughs> uh, where they're sucking the air out of the atmosphere oh, yeah, through the little... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember I that? I want to watch that with so... you guys. Yeah, we should <laughs> yeah, have a Spaceballs viewing yeah. night. <gasps> we should we, we should, yeah, that's that's yep. the one we should watch. But that, so that made me wonder if that was a little shout-out to Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I'd like to think so. Okay, it's my turn, right? Yes. Josh Svianovic says, I'm one with the force and the force is with me. <laughs> and Darth Vader is a badass, though his helmet looked funny. Did it? It kind of did. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Karen Shi writes, it's a really thrilling military movie with awesome world building, even adding to episode four. But the characters are quite thin. I did love the first half, and even as a big fan of Felicity Jones, Donnie Yen, Diego Luna, they oddly didn't have the same presence for me that Daisy Ridley had in The Force Awakens. I couldn't even tell you Don Donnie Yen's character's name or his friends, a serviceable side story to the Star Wars universe. I could see that. I, uh, I, think, I agree the characters weren't as magnetic, but um, I felt like it worked for the movie somehow. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Donna Donna says, I thought it made uh, episode four, A New Hope, an even better movie. The CG characters were not good, and I felt they should have just recast the Empire guy. Fair enough. Yeah. You know what? I actually, you know, it's funny. I, I The CG did not bug me even slightly. Steph O'Halloran says, I'm not a Star Wars fan and haven't seen any of the older films. So I went for the husband, and I actually enjoyed it as a standalone <laughs> film. That's a, That's a good perspective. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Sometimes you got to go for your partner and, you know, you pick. This time you pick. <laughs> Kay Richardson writes, meh, uh, I don't need to spend two hours filling a plot hole I willingly <laughs> suspended disbelief on almost 40 years ago. No character arcs. And when you have to visit a d- half a dozen locations in the first quarter hour, you clearly don't know when and where you uh, to enter your story. The everyday office politics of the empire were even more compelling than the rebellion. Wow, did not like it. Uh, Sean Bustler says, best prequel of any movie. I'm trying to think if that's true. Well, I have a horrible memory, so I'll agree. <laughs> um, Syl- <laughs> Sylvain Bennett says, the second act of the movie is the best Star Wars film ever done. That battle was yeah. pretty amazing. I mean, I felt like it almost went on too long, but it was just awe-inspiring. I loved it. And Jamilton Smith writes, didn't get to see it because I was having a baby. Can't wait till it's out on demand. It doesn't stop Jason. Yeah, Congratulations. Yeah. Seems to be a trend. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't stop Jason from <laughs> seeing movies. <laughs> That's right. I, I, I'll do what I want to do. Uh, take my newborn with me. <laughs> All right. Thanks, for everybody, for writing in. Here is our third and final sponsor. That's Distilled. So you really shouldn't have to stretch your budget to buy jeans with a little give. That's a cute line. (laughs) (laughs) That is a cute line. High-end denim can cost hundreds of dollars, but bargain brands don't always offer the same level of style and comfort. And I agree with that because the distilled jeans that I got are actually some of the most comfortable jeans I own and best looking jeans I've ever had. So that's 
I love that. You know, you can buy jeans that feel great to a lot of times comfort and style. You have to choose one or the other, but with these, I got the best of both. So that's, that's really cool. Distilled is spelled D S T L D and they have revolutionized the fashion industry with their timeless luxury grade denim. So you get jeans that would normally cost you hundreds and they start at just $75. They eliminate the excessive markups by refusing to work with middlemen. They ship right to you for free and they guarantee the fit or they'll send you a new pair until they're perfect. So it's no risk. Distilled jeans are built to last and they'll be a staple in your closet for years. It's been really cold here in the Bay Area. Well, <laughs> I mean for us. Yes. <laughs> like other people would not agree and think we're wimps. But anyways, winter's True. here. And now you can order your distilled jeans with new jacket because they have men's and women's denim and leather jackets available with the same superior quality and effortless style as all their other products. Uh, we got this note from a listener I thought I'd read. It says... Hello, Jason and Karen. I heard your advert for distilled jeans on last week's podcast and decided to order a pair while taking advantage of your $10 discount. They just arrived and are awesome. I've been shopping around for denim for a couple months now and couldn't believe the prices a lot of companies charge. The raw denim jeans I ordered look awesome and feel perfect right out of the package. Thanks for getting them as a sponsor, Avellino. That sounds nice. like a marketer wrote it, but we actually got it from a listener. So <laughs> that was great. <laughs> he seems That's really awesome. happy. Yeah. So here's what you do. Go to distilldstld.com slash deadcast right now. And you get $10 off your first order. That's dstld.com slash deadcast for $10 off right now. Five letters, dstld.com slash deadcast. Thanks, Distilled. Thanks, Distilled. <laughs> Obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens. The people he kills get up and kill. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. This is a Walking Deadcast news update. Well, that intro is a little more sadly apropos than ever because our first item for MovieWeb.com is that George Cassana, who made his feature film debut playing Sheriff McClellan in the 1968 horror classic Night of the Living Dead, has died at the age of 81. Aww. That was his voice. Yeah. All messed up. All messed up. He's dead. Uh, The actor's longtime friend, John Russo, who co-wrote Night of the Living Dead with George Romero, broke the news in a Facebook post. He said, my close friend, George Cassana, who played the sheriff in NOLD, has regrettably passed away after a long battle with various illnesses. He will be greatly missed by me, his fellow NOLD cast and crew members, and by his many fans. I just thought we should make note of that since we love to hear that clip every time we yep. do a podcast absolutely <laughs> yep rest rest in peace george rest in Cassano. Peace. yeah all right next the movie version of girl with all the gifts you know that book that Woo-hoo! i begged everyone to read starring yeah. glenn close has finally made its way into the u.s it it can be seen right now exclusively on direct tv actually that starts january 26th direct tv then it premieres in theaters on February 24th when it will also be released on demand. So th- that kind of a release where it's actually limited release theaters, simultaneous on demand. It has me really worried because typically they do that with movies they don't think are going to go over all that well. Oh, is um, that true? I think so. That is definitely but, true. Mm, yes, that's not yeah. a good sign. But. Reading the reviews, they're uneven. It has an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes because it's been out in the UK for a while. Uh And um, some of them are great saying things like, 
Light on gore, but heavy on brains, the girl with all the gifts delivers what it means to be living, undead, or a new combination of the two with originality and guts. So that's great, right? Um, yeah. Another one says it's confused, or I, I don't know. I mean, I'm intrigued. I wonder if it's one of those kinds of movies that are quirky and, and a little bit niche, but that we'll love. Yeah, maybe it's that's too too smart for the mainstream, which sometimes these maybe, sorts of movies yeah. are. So we have some listeners in the UK uh, please go out and see the movie and let us know how you like it. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I'm concerns curious. me greatly with this movie are the words starring Glenn Close. Why? She's awesome. But I mean, is she playing the, the teacher, the main teacher character? No. No. She's playing no. the evil scientist. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. That's perfect. No, I mean, I was yeah. just going to say fit. she's. 69 years old i don't think she could play that other character but i was forgetting about the character you're talking about and that makes perfect sense yeah so all right yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm my fears are assuaged <laughs> i'm definitely going to check it out in related news the girl with all the gifts author mr carey or mike carey he wrote another book in the same world it's a prequel it's called the boy on the bridge it's not out yet it's coming out may 2nd um, it's a standalone story, so fans who have not read the original can pick it up and enjoy it. And right now there's an excerpt on gizmodo.com, which I haven't read yet, but I'm going to read it. But we'll put in a link in the show notes for that. So I'm really excited about that because that's one of my favorite um, yes. books I've read in a long time and probably my favorite zombie book of all time. Yeah, I mean, for, without giving away the plot, I mean, uh, if you enjoy this genre at all, or maybe even if you're indifferent to it, it is a really, really good novel. Yep. Yeah. And I think uh, I just said I, I'm not sure about prequels, but The Girl with All the Gifts kind of took place in the future and away from where everything went down. So maybe this right. would be more central and that's kind of intriguing. Yeah. Okay, in the letter hacks section of issue 162 of The Walking <laughs> Dead comic, <laughs> which is always interesting because Kirkman responds to a lot of uh, fans' letters. So Kirkman said, quote, no telling how long the TV show will last. Very hopeful we will last to season 10 and beyond. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Just to let you know what where his head is. <laughs> uh, next, Austin Nichols, who played Spencer, uh -huh. who recently got gutted. By Negan, he he yeah, now has a role in yeah he, he he was a little sniveling jerk. Um, he has an upcoming role in Annie's Bates Motel, which I've heard is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have one more season left, and they're wrapping that one up. So Austin Nichols plays Sam Loomis, a charismatic character who appears in the White Pine Bay and develops a compromising relationship with Norman Bates after involving the latter in his web of lies. So I'm glad to see him getting work because he's yep. a, he's a good guy. Yep. Okay, next. A few things that Andrew Lincoln has said about the second half of season seven. This is slightly spoilery, so if you don't like spoilers, you should just skip ahead to the end section. But here's a few different things he said. Quote, it's probably the opposite of what you just witnessed, meaning the first half. Certainly from Rick's point of view, you see a man in action again with some of the members of his closest family. So he's like, it's not like the first half. 
It's the opposite. <laughs> uh, he says, there's a lot more levity, if you can believe that, oh. than you've ever seen before in Mr. Grimes. Oh, huh. He's cracking jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Left and right. He says, there's a sort of a freedom in him, a feeling that comes from losing everything and also the thrill of the fight. It's the thrill of the fight again. He's back in. All I'm saying is that the band is back together. See, I'm liking this. I, I, yeah. I'm excited. Then Although finally... I, I, uh, go ahead. I'm, I'm kind of crossing my arms over here, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I knew you would be. Uh, then he says, it's the, magnific- uh, it's the Magnificent Seven in the back half, rather the Magnificent Eight episodes. Wait till episode 16. I promise you, there's one beat in 16. I dropped my script and started punching the air and did a little jig. <laughs> 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 oh, I like imagining him dancing a little jig. Yeah, throws the script on the ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, um, I i mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited to come back yes. and see them get together and try to fight Negan. That'd be fun. Yes. So last, word has it that, this is spoilery too, that Norman Reedus and Andrew Lincoln renegotiated their contracts going into season seven of The Walking Dead, increasing uh-huh. those salaries. I don't know what they were paid before, but now it's in season seven, $550,000 per episode. <gasps> and oh in se- season eight, 650000 per episode. Oh my Presumably well, if they make it that well, far. Well, now we know why he was dancing a little jig. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the part. It wasn't the script. It was the contract. It was his contract. <laughs> apparently um the game of thrones actors got together to negotiate their uh contracts for the remaining two seasons in that show and they're making like 1.1 million per episode isn't that nuts wow it doesn't even have an amount in the contract where the amount line is it just says making bank (laughs) <laughs> it's crazy it's like one house per episode or something yeah the Brinks <laughs> truck parks here <laughs> back it up <clears throat> that's crazy alright that's our show episode 248 thanks for listening everyone thank you If you'd like to call us, you can call us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. You can email us at brains at podcastica.com. And you can find us on the web at podcastica.com or facebook.com slash deadcast. So we just had our Patreon call-in show for the month. How did you like that? (laughs) <laughs> it was so fun. Yeah, I had a great really time. It, it felt like the perfect little Friday happy hour. Yeah. It's fun because it's more freewheeling and we get to patch people in and talk to them. And uh, It's not always about Walking Dead. There was a lot of Walking Dead talk because we were talking about our favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. But then, um, I won't say who, but w- one listener, we found out about a blind date that she had with this guy who's obsessed with Godzilla. That was my favorite part of the call. <laughs> so uh we do these calls once a month they're really fun and if you go to our patreon and pledge any amount then you get to join in on the calls and you get access to all the previous ones so if you're interested in giving us some support go to patreon.com slash jason and karen and thank you to everyone who's already supporting us on there yes thank you so much it's um wonderful honestly 
And um, thanks to David for being on the show today. Thanks, babe. He's getting ready to fly to um, points known, but he fit us in before his flight. Awesome. Thanks, honey. And also, I just wanted to say congratulations again to Jason and Jenny for the birth of little Bodie. Thank you. Uh, I'm going right over there as soon as you wrap up and grabbing him and holding him. Yay! <laughs> Give him a kiss from, from Auntie Karen. Okay. Good. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Don't get bit. Daniel, Daniel Bolger. Bolger.